This is Curious Minnesota, a Star Tribune project that sends staff from the state's largest newsroom hunting for the answers to great questions we receive from you, our readers. We're here to answer everything you want to know about the state's people, places, and culture. Welcome to Curious Minnesota. I'm your host, Eric Roper. If you've been following local news in the Twin Cities over the last couple of years, you may have run across stories about the Twin Cities Army Ammunition Plant in Arden Hills, typically known as TCAP. TCAP is one of the largest development sites in the Twin Cities, and a debate has been simmering about what should be built there. Reader Craig Swanson wanted to know more about the background of this vast open space located in the otherwise developed Twin Cities suburbs. I've had the same thought over the years, so I was glad that he asked the question. It's hard to imagine today, but thousands of people commuted to this site 24 hours a day in its heyday in the 1940s, when it was producing bullets for World War II. President Franklin Delano Roosevelt even paid a visit to the operation in 1942. Joining us today is Shannon Prather, who wrote about the fascinating history of the ammunition plant for Curious Minnesota. But first, here's Craig. What I'm curious about is driving on 35W, just north of the downtowns, on the east side of 35W in this highly residential area, there seems to be this enormous swath of land that's undeveloped. There's like a very out-of-place looking water tower and some mounds of dirt, and I'm just wondering what the history is. I mean, it seems like it's got to be worth many millions of dollars, so why is it going basically unused? All right. Well, Shannon, thanks so much for joining us today. So we have to start on a sad note. This is your, is this your last day at the Star Tribune or it's your last, you're clearing out. This is it. Yeah, Eric, it's my last day (laughs) after 10 years being a reporter for the Star Tribune. Oh, that's so sad. I will say I really appreciate Shannon as a colleague. Shannon and I are both very direct people. And so I'm sad we're not going to have your direct nature around the newsroom anymore. Well, thank you. I will miss you guys, too, but I'm not going far. I'm taking a job with the city of Roseville. Okay. So you've covered this for basically your whole career or something like that, right? Like many, how long have you been covering the Twin Cities ammunition plant from a development perspective? Well, I moved to the Twin Cities and took a job with the St. Paul Pioneer Press in 2004, and I wrote a story about the Twin Cities ammunition site back then. It's now 2023. I'm 44 years old. And we're still talking about it. We're still talking about it. But the fun part about this story was that you got to maybe write like a different story about TCAP, like the background story. And it turns out it's really fascinating. Yeah, I think we all kind of nod to the history, but this was a chance to dive a little deeper. Okay. So for readers who are just sort of coming to this fresh, let's talk about like the significance and the sort of largesse of this plant when it was like really cranking out bullets, uh, literally. (laughs) Well, this was a 2,500-acre site where they were making billions of bullets to help the men fighting the World War II. This was 25,000 workers working around the clock, you know, creating ammunition that was sent to the front lines. Yeah. 
Right. And so these are like 30 and 50 caliber cartridges. So these are big bullets. This isn't like something you put in like a small gun. This is like being shot out of airplanes and stuff like that. Yeah. According to um, our research, this was large caliber ammunition. And the other thing that we'll talk about is the makeup of these workers. I I, I was very, I don't know if this is fair or not, but during the story, I was reminded of one of my favorite movies, A League of Their Own, where we sort of, we see the women stepping up, you know, when the men are at war and doing different roles. I encourage people to look at the images on this story because aren't they like pretty amazing? This is a classic kind of Rosie the Riveter story. This is what we think of when we think of women joining the workforce during World War II. So, okay, where do we start this? I mean, you know, this is kind of like farm field for a long time. And then there's a big transformation. When does that all sort of get moving? Well, according to Jackie Kreshbach at the Shoreview Historical Society, this was farmland, 2,500 acres. There were 75 families who were farming. There were some small businesses, two schools. And uh, in the summer of 1941, the federal government got a sense that we would be joining the war soon. Mm -hmm. And they looked for a site to create this large ammunition factory, and Moundsview Township ended up at the top of the list. Okay. And this is a little in the weeds, but it's Moundsview Township, and then back then it was also called New Brighton, and now we call it Arden Hills. Like, is it just all three of those things, or how do we... Where is this place? Uh, Now it's Arden Hills. Yeah, it is Moundsview Township. New Brighton was the largest, closest city, which was known for its stockyard, so that's why it was referred to often as New Brighton in the time. And it's now present-day Arden Hills that incorporated in a city, I believe, in the 1950s. And so, you know, it was very chaotic for these families that got pushed out. But there was an interesting quote from the Minneapolis Tribune editorial about this, where they say, It is regrettable that the mad ambitions of an autocrat abroad must force such changes as we witness at New Brighton. But at least Hitler is not clearing the site for us as a concentration camp or raising its homes in cooperation with the Luftwaffe. So you get a feel there of like, this is a patriotic thing we got to do to... You know, to fight Hitler overseas. It's a very direct link that's being made there with this site, right? Yeah, people uh, remembered at the time that it happened really abruptly, that they decided to purchase this land in July and it was done by August and fenced off. Mm -hmm. I mean, this happened within two months period is what I think Jackie had told me. Okay. And so the U.S. government, they own the place, but are they operating it as well? No, they actually worked with Federal Cartridge, which was a a sports manufacturer of ammunition that was in nearby Anoka, Minnesota. There's a lot of sort of interesting context about how quickly they got this thing built. And there's a quote on the story. There's like this colonel doing a tour of the construction site. And he says to the people building, you are the builders of the arsenals of democracy. Uh, So, again, really weighty stuff around this site. You know, like we have to do this. It's like, you know, it's imperative to the war effort. And so this thing gets built, and we talked about 25,000 people working there. I mean, how did that all work? I mean, it's to put 25,000 people to some place that didn't even exist a couple months ago? I mean, how does that all get configured? Well, apparently they brought in trailers and manufactured homes to house some of those workers, They and they created essentially a small town. Mm-hmm. I believe they, were, they had their own fire department their own a train station, their own newspaper. They had bowling leagues. Mm-hmm. Um, essentially, it became a boomtown overnight almost. Wow. And then there's even new bus routes that are being established to get people from like downtown Minneapolis to this new plant. 
So it opens in 1942. Who's working there? I mean, you know, we, we alluded to the women who were working there, but what more can we say about them? Because the lead photo on the story is this sort of V formation of these women, and they're staring at the camera, and it's a classic photo. Paint us a picture of these employees. Well, according to coverage of the time, more than half of them were women. Many did have families, and they chose to work night shifts so they could come home and do caregiving um, work for their families, for their children. Many people, you know, felt they were helping their husbands, their boyfriends, their brothers who were on the front lines of this war. You note that the news accounts about this were patronizing in a sense. I mean, how so? I mean, like as far as the way this was characterized in the in the paper. Yeah, as a woman, I couldn't help but not notice that they talked about women hanging up their aprons or you know, and women who once pushed baby carriages are now pushing large pallets of ammunition. Mm-hmm. So they definitely framed it as these frail women sort of turning over a new leaf. Right. Yeah. There's a quote. Housewives who never mended a pot or a pan are now applying hot solder to ammunition chests with dexterity. I don't know if I can say I've mended a pot or a pan either. <laughs> are we all supposed to be mending our pots and pans at home? Uh, I'm not sure. Well, I know that Jackie, again, with the Shoreview Historical Society, she mentioned this really was the start of the women's movement, but we didn't know it at the time, right? This was getting women out of the home. They were working. They were making money. They had this autonomy. And um, as we all know, that kind of uh, didn't fade. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And also, this was a racially integrated employment center, right? So that was sort of significant. Yeah, we did see some mention of that. And so I don't want to go too deep in that because we haven't done a ton of research. But we do know that they did integrate their workforce and that there were African-American managers. We do know that. And one of the prominent people in that story is Cecil Newman, who was the uh, founder and publisher of the uh, Spokesman Recorder newspaper. So, okay, I think by the end of it all, I I believe the number was something like four billion bullets had been produced for World War II, which I can't even fathom. You know, again, people should look at the photos on the story because it gives you a sense of just the amount. And also, it's interesting to see, you know, they have mirrors and they're checking, they're doing quality checks on all these bullets. I mean, there's a lot of interesting stuff that went into that. Okay, so the Allies win World War II. Now we have this huge plant. Its whole purpose is to make a bunch of bullets, and now we're not at war anymore. So what happens to the plant? Well, as quickly as it was uh, built up, it was mothballed, Eric. Mm -hmm. They did reopen it partially for um, Korea and Vietnam, and there were contractors on the site through the 1980s and 90s, but its pinnacle was during World War II. Okay. And there were other companies that were involved in operating the plant? Yeah, there definitely were defense contractors who were using the site. Okay, and there's even pictures that we found in our archives of people protesting up there during the you know anti-war movement uh, during Vietnam and, and things like that. So, okay, now let's move into present day or present-ish day. You know, as with lots of industrial sites, there's always a lot to do if you want to do something new with it. And now, even though it was farmland then, it's what's the context nowadays? It's kind of like the, an open land in a, in a densely populated area to some degree? It is. And I think that's what our reader asked about. You kind of drive around the periphery of this facility and you see a lot of undeveloped land surrounded by a fence. And you think, wow, why isn't something happening there? Mm -hmm. And I think that's what kind of prompted the question. Okay. So pollution, where did it all begin? I mean, as far as trying to get this pollution cleaned up? Well, obviously there was heavy manufacturing. And when you're dealing with ammunition, you have lead and a lot of other contaminants. And, you know, back in the day, in the 40s and 50s, 
things were literally just dumped behind the building mm-hmm. in the ground in the backyard. And that's what happened at the site. And then come the 1980s, we realized the damage that we had done. And mm-hmm. that is when the entire site was declared a Superfund site, a federal Superfund site for pollution in surface water, groundwater, and soil sediments. The Army, U.S. Army spent millions, maybe billions of dollars cleaning it up, mm-hmm. and they're still remediating groundwater pollution to this day. So these chemicals leached into the aquifer, and is that still a problem today in, in that area? They still do treat the aquifer. Okay. So the county bought a portion of the site, right? I mean, this is one thing that maybe I didn't know until you wrote the story. Like, what the county owns is actually just one sliver of the overall TCAP, you know, site. So what happened and when, when did that happen? Because they started blowing up all the buildings, basically, or the buildings that they bought. Well, so it's a 2,500-acre site, and 1,500 acres is still used for military purposes today. It is owned by the Minnesota National Guard. It's still mm-hmm. an active training facility, so that's used there. Also, the southern portion of the site, there's the Arden Hill City Hall. The county has some facilities there. And then the county did purchase over 400 acres for redevelopment on the western edge of the site. Which is where a lot of the buildings were. Yes, the and that's buildings. the blow-up. Yes, the buildings okay. they blew up. Yeah. yeah, there's like pictures of like fireworks uh, above like a building that's about to be demolished. There's a lot of excitement around this about a decade ago, right? Now it's just an open field. We had a reader say, what's going on? There's barbed wire here. Is it going to get developed? What's the plan? I mean, you know, there's been lots of plans, right? But like, what's the goal here? Or what what, what do we think is going to happen? Well, there's been a little political gridlock that has slowed the development of this site. As I mentioned, Ramsey County purchased it in 2012. They need cooperation from the city of Arden Hills, and they haven't really seen eye to eye on exactly how to develop this property. What does the county want to do? And the county's the one pushing the development more. So what does the county want to do there? Well, they both agree to a mixed-use development with homes, businesses, retail, parks. Um, It's just a matter of ratios. We'll say how much housing, how much affordable housing, how much business. And I think there could actually be a thaw to this stalemate. Okay, because of some changes in the city council in Arden Hills? Yes. Uh, There's a three-person majority that was just elected to the Arden Hill City Council, and they campaigned explicitly on getting this piece of land developed and cooperating with the county. And they are already moving forward with those plans. Okay. Because, yeah, I mean, the Ford site is another example. There's some of these big sites, and there's not that many of them, these like enormous shovel-ready sites in the Twin Cities. And so that's kind of why you hear about it a lot, because it's a rare opportunity. You know, the the metro area is kind of packed with stuff, <laughs> except for these little slivers. Well, Shannon, thank you so much. We're, we're sad to see you go. We're sad we're not going to get your coverage of TCAP anymore, but I'm glad we were able to get you on this story and, and hear the, some of the history of this site. Thanks for having me, Eric. Okay, that's it for today's show. We want to hear your feedback and any questions that you'd like to see us tackle here at Curious Minnesota. Send your notes to curious at startribune.com. Thank you to Matt Gilmer for editing this podcast. And as always, if you're enjoying this show, please tell a friend about it. Thanks. Thanks for listening to Curious Minnesota. We want to hear from you. Ask questions and read more stories online at startribune.com backslash curious. Our show is recorded at the Star Tribune's headquarters in beautiful downtown Minneapolis. And our music is produced by Matt Gilmer. If you like the show, please rate us on iTunes or leave a review. And until next time, stay curious. <laughs>